Man, it's such a blessing just to spend a little bit of time here in God's Word. We're, we're continuing through Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, if you've been with us, you know we're in a, a series called Faith Life. Uh, what we're looking in, in chapter 11, where the writer of Hebrews uh, shares uh, individually what he calls in chapter 12, a great cloud of witnesses. So it's people from the Old Testament patriarchs who lived out their faith. And he says they can testify basically to the goodness, to the worthwhileness of living a life of faith in God, specifically faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to, we're moving into the story of Moses starting in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 23 through 29. We're going to talk this morning about his life and look at kind of three decisions that were made by faith that affected his life. Two of them he made, one of them his parents made. And uh, we're, just going to, we're just going to settle in on those, spend a little bit of time, um, and, then, uh, and then we'll bless you all to go to Texas Roadhouse or wherever you're going for Father's Day. All right. Uh, life of Moses, making decisions. Um, this is the number. Uh, 35,000 is, uh, is the average number of decisions each of us make every single day. You think, well, I don't say that many words. Well, but you're choosing every moment of every day something to do or not to do. Like right now, you all are choosing to stay seated and not leave. I appreciate that. <laughs> But you're making a decision, even right now, you'll make a decision to cross your arms, to uncross your arms, to cross your leg. Like you, and it's really easy in life. We make a lot of little decisions without really ever thinking about them. But then there's some bigger ones that are harder to make um, that, that we struggle with. Uh, there was a story I came across about this farmer, and this was before electricity was invented. And he, he had this guy he'd hired to work on his farm, a hired hand. And the hired hand was starting to court. He was dating this girl. And he kept using this lit lantern when he'd go find her, go to, go to meet her and go on a date. And the farmer said, don't, you don't need the, the lantern. I never used that. I always courted in the dark. And the hired hand said, yeah, look at what you got. And so, so what we find is sometimes we, we make decisions in the dark, and it's a really a dangerous thing to do without shining the light of our faith in Jesus Christ into the decision that we're making. And so what we don't want to do is make decisions in the dark. We want to make decisions that are, that are informed by faith, not by fear or apathy or indifference or, or, or sometimes we'll be tempted to make a decision based on fleshly desires and wants and dreams and, and our own personal things and, and money and, and wealth and power. Like those, we can make decisions by all those things. But what we want to talk about today is making decisions by faith that are opened into the light. Um, and even the bigger decisions, sometimes we get, we get in this mindset... Of this is what, what we do. We say, ready, aim, 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 aim. No, you never fire, right? Is that the most, like, you've got these decisions in your life that, that have come up that you, you want to make them, but you just won't. Like, you keep just kind of tucking it away and not thinking about it, forgetting about it. So, so you just ready, aim, 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 aim. Like, there's nothing more frustrating 
than getting to the point where you're just overanalyzing everything and questioning everything and you just won't make a decision. So this morning, we want to have the power of God's Spirit to make hard decisions. We also want to have the power to make good decisions. And so that's kind of what we're going to walk through this morning. And maybe none of y'all have to make decisions in life. Maybe you're not thinking of anything that you just keep aiming at, but you just won't pull the trigger. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to try to move past that, okay? So let's read this passage of Scripture, uh, the life of Moses making decisions, starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 is where we're going to read first. Hebrews eleven twenty three. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. Anybody say amen? <laughs> it was by, it was saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. This is one verse that's, uh, that's summarizing a big story in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 2, uh, where we find this time in the, the history of Israel where, uh, i got to give you just a little bit of history so you understand what's going on here. Uh, uh, Joseph and all his brothers end up living in Egypt. Um, and you remember Pharaoh had found favor with Joseph. He had been raised in Pharaoh's court. And he, he rescued his family that was back in the land of Canaan. They'd moved to Egypt because of a famine. Everything was great. Time tarries on, and a new pharaoh comes into charge uh, who does not have favor on Joseph and his family. Um, and, and by this time, the children of Israel, uh, the, the pharaoh at the time says, I mean, they've almost out, they have outnumbered the number of Egyptians living in Egypt. Like, he gets scared. He's like, there's so many of them. If we went to war, someone came to attack us, and they went, they chose to fight for the, the opposing side, like, we'd be in trouble. And so they put them into slavery, take the entire nation uh, uh, of, of Israel and put them into slavery in Egypt and use them to build towns, structures, buildings, um, and they just get put into slavery. This is the time that Moses is born. Not only has it gotten so bad that they are in slavery that now Pharaoh says, actually, we're going to kill all the, 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 the sons that are born to the Israelite people. They're going to be murdered. It gives the order to the midwives. If a son is born murder him. So this is a time you find in Exodus 2, Moses, mom and dad, they have a son. And it says they noticed something special about him, not, was he, not that he was just unusual, but they noticed something special about him. And, and, and so it says they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. And so they hid him for three months. They hid this young baby, this little baby, hid him for three months. And uh, if you go back to Exodus 2, we're not going to go there because it, it'll take too much time. But you need to go read the story of Moses. It's incredible. And, and it says they, they, they take some tar and some pitch and they put it on this basket and they place Moses in the basket and they put him in the Nile River. Because he's gotten too big. They can't hide him anymore. And, and, and so many times we hear that story and most of us know the story of Moses. We know that Pharaoh's daughter ends up getting him and he gets ready. Like everything goes great for Moses, honestly. But it's really, we just know the rest of that story. So we can't really, we've never really taken just hit pause and said, let's wait. Let's be that mom. Let's be that dad. Let's be Amram and Jochebed. Y'all like those names? Anybody having babies, taking notes? <laughs> Future names, Amram, that's a good one. 
That's Moses' parents. They got Moses, they see special, they put him in this basket. And they walk to the banks of the river. And they push him off the side. Like in their minds, they have no idea where Moses is going to go. For all they know, he could go all the way down the Nile into the Mediterranean Sea. They, they don't know. They don't know if he'll live or if he'll die. And so there was a powerful thought for me here of this decision that they make. And sometimes, and the best way I could think of to say is like, what do I do with my kids? What do I do with my kids? That's a question you'll ask at some point if you're a parent. And sometimes that'll be out of frustration. Like, what am I going to do with my kids? Like, I don't do anything I say. Sometimes it'll be because they're really incredible. It's like, what am I going to do with my kids? They're so cool. They're awesome at this. And I'm afraid they're going to get the big head. Like, you can go either way. Like, but you'll say, what am I going to do with my kids? And, and what that really means is like you feel like the pressure of ownership of your children is on you. All right, I, I want you to take a deep breath for a minute here. Because what I realized that these parents were doing is they were really releasing control of the details. Okay, like, like as a parent, you want to control all the details. You want to make sure they're safe. You want to make sure they're good. They want to, you want to make sure they don't embarrass you mostly. Like if you're going to somebody's house. Like you, and, 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 and what can happen is as a parent, you can absolutely discipline, scare, like shape the outside of your child for a while to act and be the way you want them to be. But there's something as a parent you can never, ever do. And that is change their heart. You can plant a seed, but you cannot make it grow. Only God can make it grow. Only God can change your children's heart. And so I think about the times where, where as a parent, I've got a 12-year-old and a 3-year-old, that you lay in bed at night and you worry about the last six months. You say, did I do things wrong? Did I do things right? You worry about the next six months and you think, oh, God, they got all this coming up. I mean, my daughter is turning 13 in the next six months. I'm ready to check out. Like, you got this, Beth. You take on the next five years and I'll come back and check on y'all. Like, you get to this season of life, and you realize, like, I cannot carry all the weight of that. Like, I cannot control everything. I can point them to Jesus. I can coach them. I can, I can love them, but I cannot change their hearts. Only Jesus can do that. So as a parent, really, all we're called to do is point them to Jesus over and over as much as we can. Because he is their real father. He is, they, we do not own them. We've been given stewardship over them. To trust God to love them better than we can. So that's what they did. They, they realized we cannot control all these circumstances. And sometimes you just got to push your kid out in the river. Y'all just heard the pastor say that? <laughs> Don't take that to heart. Don't take it literal. I don't want to be in the newspaper on WYMT. But sometimes you just got to do what you can and trust God with the rest. Okay, that is what I'm saying. You cannot control all the details. Moses' parents walked to the edge. I'd have probably been a ready, aim, 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 and probably would have turned around and walked back. They were ready, aim, 
fire. They made the decision. Trust in God. There's something special about him. God put something in their heart. We're trusting God with this. And they push him out. I'll tell you what beautiful happens in this story, and then we'll move on. They didn't know where it was going to end. God works this story out. Incredible. Pharaoh's daughter and her helper, they find Moses. And Moses' older sister's watching the whole thing. So she walks up when they get Moses out of the river. She says, you know, that's a baby. It needs nursed. Would you like me to go find a Hebrew woman to nurse this baby for you? And they say, yeah. Yeah, we'd pay somebody to do that. So this mom, that when she let go of Moses... By that evening, the sister had carried him back to her arms, and she was getting paid to take care of him. You see, like, you can't figure that. Why are you trying to do all the details? You can't do that. Only God can do that, and he's back. And then God begins to work just a special call in Moses' life. He grows 40 years, and we find the next passage of the story. It moves. He's in a midlife crisis. Anybody there? He's 40 years old. He's questioning everything about who he is and, and, and where he is. And, and should I be with... Uh, he's been raised in Pharaoh's court. He has all the wealth. He has all the things he could ever ask for from this world's perspective. Um, and it says, but here in 1124, it says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Even though they had been so good to him, he knew who he had been called to be. He knew who he really was. Since he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. That's a lot of verses again, but it captures a big story where Moses is 40 years old. He goes out into the land, and he sees an Egyptian soldier being really mean to, a, to an Israelite, a Hebrew uh, man. And, and, and Moses just loses it and kills the Egyptian soldier. Like he realized, I cannot be a part of this anymore, what they're doing to my people. And so he loses his cool, probably makes he's not perfect, and he kills the Egyptian soldier. He thinks nobody saw it. The next day, he's out about, and somebody mentions, like, saw it on Facebook where you killed that guy. That's basically what happened. All right? That's basically what happened. Moses like, oh, no. Pharaoh's going to find out. I got to get out of here. He's going to be mad at me. He's going to kill me. See, Moses had everything that by this world's measurements you could ever want. And even though he made a rash decision and he, and, he, and he did the wrong thing, the core of why he did it was on principle. It says by faith he refused to be part of Pharaoh's court. That by faith he refused, like he chose to suffer for Christ's sake. Like, he, he chose not to, let's see, how did he say it? Uh, rather than to own the treasures of Egypt, he passed it all down. He gave it all up and walked away from it because he was looking to a greater reward. And so when I was thinking about this, uh, uh, this, this these questions kept coming to my mind. Uh, what is my life all about? I got to decide that at some point. 
One, you've got to choose whether you're going to try to control all the circumstances, your life and your children, your family, or let God do it. All the details. You've got to choose what is my life all about. Am I going to be consumed with the American dream and money and power and, and wealth and, and all these things? Or am I going to be looking forward to a greater reward? The same question you can kind of ask in that is, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to control my love of money? And some of you might say, well, I don't struggle with that. Every single person in this room struggles with that. Money becomes a thing that can become obsessive. And it says uh, that, that the root of all evil is the love of money. Not money itself, but loving it is the root of all evil. It drives you to all kinds of other crazy things and behaviors. All right? It also says a man cannot love money and love God. And here Moses makes this decision as he's deliberating his life and what his life all about. And says, no, it's not going to be about all the good and the comfort and the security I have here is going to be about walking in faith with God. I want you to just think about just for a minute. Um, you know, there's certain things in, in life that decisions are easy. What's right, what's wrong. Right? The Bible gives us some clarity on some things. Like your husband, your, your spouse is your spouse. Your neighbor's spouse is not your spouse. Okay, like that's not, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to like say, I don't know. Like God's kind of, I think God might be working something up here. Like she thinks she likes me a little bit and I like her. And, you know, I think just let me, God's telling me this is just right. You know, my spouse is just so bitter and grumpy. And I think God just has something better for me. That is not true. It will never be true. Okay, like there is clarity about certain things that God has called us to that's right and wrong. There's some things in life like which school am I going to go to? What job am I going to take? What spouse am I going to marry that, that, that involve wisdom and not necessarily right or wrong? And there's some direction and guidance that a lot of people use in, in, in making a decision. One is you look at your past experiences, understand where you've been, what you've done before, what have I learned in life? There's some things your parent, your mentor, somebody, they will tell you your whole life and you will, and then it will happen to you and be like, oh, <laughs> that's what they meant. Right? You just can't learn it without experiencing it. Like they said, don't get a credit card. Oh, whatever. They don't know. Six months later, $5,000 and minimum payments and 20%. You're like, oh, I get it. That's why. Like, you can't learn some things without experiencing. So you got to look back and say, what has God taught me through my experiences? you also got to look around at your circumstances and say, where am I at right now? What is God doing? He's always at work. He's always present where I'm at. How is he working around me presently? And then you got to look forward and think about what has God called you into? What's he got on your heart? What's he kind of working you toward, moving you into? And then you got to use all that and try to make the best decision you can. When it comes to those, the beautiful thing is, like, I, we talk with students all the time, college students, um, you, know, you know, like, talk to them all the time, like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out, if I can get a job or not get a job, or, or, like, I don't know where to work, should I work at the bank, should I work at this, should I work at that, should I go to this school, should I major in this, like, what's God want me to do? I'm like, God just wants you to do something. <laughs> like, you will not, 15 years from now, be like, oh, I got the wrong first job. Like, God can work present in any of those situations, wherever you end up. I promise, nobody's looking back and saying, well, I ruined my whole life because I took that job. 
Like God can use it for good if you see where and how you are. Beth and I made a terrible decision once. One bad decision, pretty good in 20 years. And, um, and I'll just share just real quickly. Uh, it, this happened four years ago, maybe. Um, we were living in our, the, our starter house where we now live again. Um, and so uh, we were a growing family, and, and, and we only had one full bathroom and, and two bed, three bedrooms, kind of. And we, we had two kids. And we thought, you know, you, you cannot live four people in one house with one full bathroom. It's impossible. How do human beings, they could never do that. That's sarcasm. He said, but that's what we were thinking. So we thought we got to get a bigger house and, and, and God had blessed us this time. We could move into what we felt like was going to be our dream house. It came up for sale once. We we're like, nah, we won't do it. It sold. Like a year later, it came up for sale again. And we're like, all right, let's go look at it. We go look at it. The realtor says, somebody made an offer. You got 20 minutes. If anybody ever says to you, make a huge life decision in 20 minutes, the answer is no. <laughs> we said yes. We made an offer, bought the house. All of a sudden, life was upside down. We were moving, and we were packing things up and getting the kids. We were, thought we were excited, and we moved into what we thought was our dream house. Yeah, I had not done these three things. One, I knew from past experiences, you don't make big decisions in 20 minutes. That was not wise. Two, I looked around at our circumstances, and yeah, we could make a payment, but we probably could have been paying some other stuff off instead of making the payment. Like, that probably wasn't good. I mean, this was a trifecta. I looked to the forward, and we'd been talking amongst ourselves for years, saying, eventually, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going into full-time ministry. So we need to be getting ready financially for that season of our life. But in this moment, I thought, ah, I can work this job forever and do ministry. We'll just get this house and it'll be good. A year in, we were like, we are idiots. I'm literally going to work to pay a mortgage. Like, I know God wants me out of this and doing different things. So we began to pray about it, and, and God rescued us. I'll just be completely honest. Uh, Kevin and Yutha Farthing are not here, but they literally, God used them to rescue us. We prayed about it on a Friday, said we're going to sell our house, had two offers by Sunday. One of them were our friends. We, they still come to church with us here. They ended up buying that house off of us. And I'm telling you, we've never had so much fun moving in all our lives. Like packing stuff into, like we just, the back of my truck or Adam's truck at the end was packed up with just random stuff for them. We didn't care what an organ, first time we taped all the boxes, labeled it all, you know, all this. Not this time, we're like, we're out. I mean, we were driving out of the driveway and I was like, there's the water hose and ran back and just grabbed it and threw it on top. And God worked that all out in just amazing ways of, I learned a lot. <laughs> and just be honest. Financially, we lost our shirts, but God taught us some things. That, that when we make our decision to abandon all of this, this world's treasures, like he takes care of us every step of the way. Every step of the way. The whole time we had moved, we had great renters, rented our other house, paid every payment on that plot. Like God blessed us through this. Like I know he's just like, God, Jared and Bethany. You all, what are you doing? <laughs> all right, just come on, come on, come on. We called the people that were renting their other place, said, hey, we need our house back, kind of. And uh, we gave them 60 days. They, so this was just the crazy end of the story. 
the people who bought our house were moving out of a rental here in Pikeville. Our house is at Harold. The people who were renting our house moved into this rental. The people that bought our house, they moved into the house we were in, and we moved back in. Somebody had to go first, and somebody had to go last. We were last in that move, but God just worked it all out in a tremendous way. When you're deliberating, there's wisdom you can use. Look back, look at your current circumstances, and look at what God has for you in the future. What does he put in your heart? Let's get ready to wrap this up with this one last situation that Moses gets put into. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. My wife just texted me. She really did. I mean, you just text me? Just read it. That's between me and her. You just have to leave. You just have to be wondering. Moses born. His parents put him in the river. 40 years later, he leaves Egypt. Spends 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd. Just every day being a shepherd. The entire time the Israelites been in slavery, they're crying out to God. Some of you crying out to God. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. He says, I've heard their cries. He's heard your cries. He says, I've heard their cries. I need you to go back down to Egypt. I need you to rescue my people. Moses says, I, I just, I can't talk that good. I'm not the guy to go to Pharaoh. Can I take my brother? And God's like, yes, Moses. Okay. And I, and I got here and, and I was thinking about, you know, what do we do with our insecurities? What do we do with the things that keep us from stepping into what God has called us into? How do we choose? And I think Moses did it with determination that he went back down to Egypt. He did what God called him to, and he overcame his insecurity. And God used him to do a miraculous thing. He rescued all these people from Egypt, and he used Moses to lead them out. It says by faith that, that Moses led them out. That they didn't have the faith, but sometimes you as a parent, as a friend, as a spouse, have to lead with the faith. The rest of the family might not have it, but there's seasons you've got to step into and lead because Moses led in faith. They followed. Now, they didn't do it perfect because they got to the Red Sea, and, and you know what they did? They, 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 they started wanting to uh, make decisions based on feelings, and you don't want to do that. They made it, if they would have done that, the feeling was, we're going to die. We should just fight, and we should run away. We should just say, I'm sorry, Egypt. You can have us back. Like, did you lead us out here just die in the wilderness? We could have just died and slavery would have been just as good. That's the things they started saying. But his determination, Moses leads them out of Egypt and through dry ground in the Red Sea. God literally tore apart the sea for them. 
see each and every one of us, I want you to just hold on for just one last few minutes, are born into our own Egypt, into our own captivity, of our own sin, of our own struggles, of our own weaknesses, separated from God. Yet the Bible says that he placed eternity in our hearts. So even if, even if, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, in, the, in the, the heart of mankind, we ask what happens after we die. We wonder how we could live forever. We try to do everything we can to look as young as we can. And that's placed into the heart of mankind. And yet we're born into Egypt in this, this level of captivity and, and, and penalty and, and punishment and, uh, and the power of sin in our life. Yet when God, like he called, called Moses to go to the literal Egypt, you see, God sent his son Jesus, his only begotten son, the, the, to, to into our existence to fulfill a law. You see, the law was not made for us to try to, to obey so we could be good enough to get to heaven. All the rules. Like right now, I'm not going to ask you to choose to be more like a Christian. I'm not going to say you should choose today to go to church every Sunday. You should choose to iron your khakis. You should choose. I always use that as an example. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not saying you should choose to, you know, stop cussing. You should choose. I'm not asking you to choose any of that. You see, the law was just meant to put, it was just put there so it would be like a mirror for us that we could look at and say, I can never do it. I can't. I need a Savior. And like, he, like God sent Moses to Egypt, he sent Jesus to you and me. Amen. He sent Jesus to you and me that... That all we have to do is choose to believe in him. To choose him. This decision, this one decision, like the rest are important. And, and, and once your life is in Christ, the Spirit helps you. And you're going to choose things in life and career and family. And, and the, the one that it's all anchored on is the question about what are you going to do with Jesus. And, and some of you are here, I'm confident. And for some time, it's been ready. Aim. <laughs> Aim, aim, aim. Is that annoying enough yet? <laughs> Romans 10 and verse 5. It says, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God it says don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead in other words don't judge people based on what things look like in fact it says the message is very close at hand it's on your lips and it's in your heart and he says and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart 
that you are made right with God. You want to be made right with God? All you got to do is make the decision to believe in your heart. And it is uh, openly declaring your faith, faith, faith life series, that you are saved. When you get saved, I always just hearing it growing up in my whole life, and maybe you've been like this. I hear saved, and I just think of, of oh, I'm not, I get to go to heaven. I don't have to go to hell. That's the punishment of sin is the absence, the eternal separation from God. And it is true. But I never thought about the, the reality that you're also saved from the power of sin in your present life. Like you're wrestling with stuff, with anxiety, with fear, with depression, with insecurity. You're wrestling with all these things. Jesus doesn't want just to give you a home forever. Like he wants, to, he wants you to feel that in your heart when you choose him. That you could not, you were just like the children of Israel. They could not lead their self out of Egypt. Just like when he instituted the Passover. They didn't have to do anything right that day except apply the blood. You don't have to do anything right today except put your faith and trust in him and apply the blood to your heart. And you become what was once crimson, white as snow. God, thank you. Um, for your drawing power of your Holy Spirit that invites men and women to respond to your offer of grace in their life, the offer of salvation, the offer of freedom in the present from the power of sin and, and the the. the the, the, the slavery to sin, what Paul said, I was once a slave to sin, and now I'm a slave to righteousness. God, the, this, this, through this simple decision, this choice to put our faith in you, God, as parents, let us be reminded that that is the only way hearts change, is by putting our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for these people that are here. We're going to sing one more song as we worship you together. It says, thank you for the blood. And we're going to sing that as a church. I just pray if there's anybody here today, God, that they've been ready, aim, 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 aim about their choice to serve you and to, to profess loudly and openly and declare you as Lord in their life that this would be a day that they would choose you over everything else. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.